Praise the Lord, this is Brother Julius Adeomi. I'm going through the book of Matthew. And we're now in chapter 11. In chapter 11, we're going to see how John the Baptist came up and asked questions from the, from, sent his disciples to come and ask questions from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John, that's John the Baptist, had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Are thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now, let me explain what actually happened, because Matthew didn't tell us in his book here how it happened to John the Baptist. That was reported in Luke. Why John the Baptist, after he baptized the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ, went and fasted and started preaching about, the Lord Jesus started preaching about why John the Baptist was also still preaching. According to the story in the book of John and the Gospel of John and the Gospel of Luke, and even the Mark, Mark, John the Baptist was still baptizing in one river, and according to this, the record in the book of the Gospel of John, Jesus Christ went and with his disciples then decided baptizing somewhere in another river there, and many people began to go to Jesus. Just to be baptized. Apostle John said it was not Jesus that was baptized, his disciples were baptizing people. But the disciples of John, they saw that and they came to John and said, You know, the man that you that baptized over there, that you witnessed that he was coming after you, he's already baptizing over there now, over on the other side over. And many people are going to him. And now John said, Well, like I say, I'm not the Messiah. He is the one that is coming after me. So that was the final thing we had. Then later we Read other in the Mark and looked that John the Baptist spoke something against King Herod about his, the wife that Herod was married to, and this Herod married his, uh, his brother's wife, which not which his brother was still alive. They just divorced and married, the Herod, King Herod married his brother's wife. So uh, John the Baptist spoke against it, and they reported it to Herod, and Herod arrested John the Baptist. And they said the wife of John the Baptist, uh, the wife of Herod, called Herodias, would have wanted Herod to kill John the Baptist right away, but Herod was kind of afraid. He accepted that that man is a, is a prophet. So he more or less arrested him, but he didn't kill him. And that was this time he was in prison. But you see, maybe John the Baptist, after he had said Jesus is the Messiah that's coming after him and is going to be mighty, mightier than him, maybe he was expecting. This is our gesture. He must be expecting that maybe this Messiah will come and rescue him from prison. So when nothing seems to be happening here, and he knew that the Messiah would have heard that he had been arrested in prison, and he didn't do anything about it, that's why he sent two of his disciples, that two of people still stay with John the Baptist, visiting him in the prison, so he could call them and say, I need you to go find this rabbi that I was pointing out that he was the coming Messiah. Why is he not doing anything concerning my case? That's what, I, what we thought he must have been thinking. Why is he not doing anything about my case? Didn't he hear that uh, Herod has arrested me and he might be prison me? So, 
That's why he sent two of his disciples and said, go and ask him, are we sure that uh, you are the one we are to be waiting for? Or should we be looking for another person? That's how he framed the question. Are thou he that should come after he has said this is the one? That's why sometimes many people, when situations occur, they almost begin to question their, their belief. Don't, if you believe something that is true and is God, don't question it. Because you prayed and prayed, it seems that nothing is happening. Don't question your truth. The word of God remains the same. Whether you are able to claim the promise or not, does not really matter. The word of God remains the same. People, they were following the Lord, they are believing God, and then there comes sickness and disease. And they prayed and prayed and prayed. It looked like nobody's answering. Somebody begin to question their belief. No, don't question it. The word of God remains the same. There may be a reason why you couldn't get the answer. The reason may be with you. The reason may be that God has that way. Look at the story of Job. He was doing everything right, trying to protect his children. To make sure they didn't sin, offer sacrifice for them. Anytime they gather together and look like, hey, I hope you didn't, you didn't cost God. You offer sacrifice. Trying to do everything right to protect his family. And there come the devil, bang, and trouble came. Of course, Joe, Joe will have prayed and prayed and prayed when the sicknesses came. He prayed and prayed. Of course, he first lost his children. He didn't worry. Just say, thank God. But then sicknesses came. It looked like he was losing it, even his own health. Of course, you will have been praying and praying and praying and praying and look like nothing is happening. Even his friends came by and said, Job, this thing does not happen to the good people. Maybe you are secret sin that you, God is judging you for. You need to confess it and repent. He said, I didn't do anything wrong. I can't find any secret sin. They said, no, you are hiding something. That was the story of Job. But see, that's why I say, even though it is from your side or from God's side, just look at yourself. Don't condemn, don't, don't try to, like I say, say, some people, they begin to lose their faith, their, their belief. Job did not lose his belief. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He was talking about God. That even though God can kill him, he will still trust God. That is how we should also be. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust his word. His word will never fail. Whether you are able to claim these promises of God or not, his word remains the same. So why are you not able to claim it? That can be any reasons. It could be a root cause. It could be God boasting of you like he was boasting of Job, which he is doing for the saints, believers at the same time, because he's going to allow Satan to try them. Upon the, the Daniel, in the book of Daniel, angel prophesied to Daniel that many shall be tried and purified and made white. How is he going to do that? Through this persecution, through this offense, through Satan attacking them. And they didn't deny Christ. That's when they are made white, persecuted, crucified for Christ in the days of the apostles. And they will be praying for the persecution to not come. Also, you see, God did not answer those prayers that way. But they died and went to meet him in, in glory. So that's why I'm saying that don't begin to doubt your faith or your belief just because your prayer seems to be not answered. Just trust the Lord. It's what the Bible is saying here. So I joined the Baptist for somebody that suddenly began to wonder, am I sure the man I pointed to is the right person? After he has prophesied that this is the man, and but something that happened to him that he was now in prison, and this man that he said would be the Messiah, the Messiah is to save us, and he's not doing anything concerning my case, that's really what would make him to begin to ask this question, are thou he that should come, or do we look for another? That's a, that's a strange question. You look for another person that maybe this is not the one. After you have told them that this is the one. Verse 4. Jesus answered and said unto them, to the disciples of John, 
Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Christ says, you are blessed, you are not offended in me. That is, don't be offended in Christ because he didn't come to, to deliver you the way you are expecting. Because many times, the way we are expecting, the Lord could have answered your prayer, but the way you are expecting is that something like this should happen. And it didn't happen that way, so we begin to question whether God is answering. But see, when you look at the, all the lines, you may see that God has answered the prayer, or He's going to wait for you on the other side. Verse 7, and as they departed, when the disciples of John left, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, well, the Lord is going to talk about John the Baptist. Was he going to condemn John? Or was he going to praise John? You see how, he's, how he handled it. What went he out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaking with the wind? What's a reed? Something that's going up and down. The wind blew them. He's going to that way. That's like questioning John. Is John becoming like a reed that is shaking because of the situation? Is now changing his mind. It's the question, he didn't say that's what John is. Is that what John has suddenly, suddenly become? He reached shaking with the wind. But what went he out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? That's another question. He said, Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Well, was John now in the king's palace or clothed in soft raiment that make him to be asking this type of question? Well, we don't know. Let's see. But now it's really where he started talking about John. But what went he out for to see? A prophet? Yes, I say unto you, I'm more than a prophet. This is what the Lord is trying to make us to see here. Somebody could have done something wrong. Somebody could have done something that is uh, not acceptable to you or could have been shaking like the wind. But look for something good to say about the person. That is the example the Lord is showing to us. Always look for something good to say about every person, no matter what bad thing they have done. You say, oh, that governor, he stole this, he stole that, he stole this, he stole that. He don't, don't use your mouth to blast anybody. In fact, the Bible says, speak evil of no man. Titus chapter, chapter 3, verse 2. Yeah. Speak evil of no man. So that is keep our mouth away from speaking guile or perversion about anybody. So this is example God gives to us. He could have said something about John Baptist just asked the question, is he now a reed? Or is now closer in suffering with the kings in the king's house? Well, he's a prophet. As far as verse 9 is saying. And he says he's even more than a prophet. So that's looking for something good to say about John the Baptist. And that is what he's telling us. Look for something good to say about the person. Even the person you think is bad, the governor that you think is stealing money, look for something good to say about him. Maybe he actually did some road. Say something about that. Forget about the one he did bad that everybody stopped pointing out to, to the world. But just say, well, leave me alone. There was a story of a man that he was evil, he was bad, and everybody was complaining about him in the town. And then the police get in contact with this man and in a shootout, they killed this man who was the evil person. And the whole city was kind of relieved that now he's dead. And they were now talking about the, the evil man, oh, the bad things he had done. 
And there was a man that refused to say any bad thing about anybody. And then there's somebody asking, what do you want to say about this man? And he looked at the man and said, wow, he has a nice set of teeth. And he said, well, that's all you want to say. Well, I said, that's something good to say about the man. Forget about all the bad things he had done. I'm talking about this nice set of teeth. Yeah. You look for something good to say about the person. That's exactly an example that uh, makes us to know that God wants us to don't speak evil of any man. Let God be the judge. Because our mouth, what we say, will be, Christ said that every idle word a man speaks shall be judged on that day, in the last day. That's why we try to try, we should try our best to speak evil of no man. So this is what the Lord is going to give an example there. He, he refused to say any bad thing about John the Baptist and said, He's more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Very I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Well, that will make John the Baptist feel good also. He said, Notwithstanding, it that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than the, that is Christ is now trying to make us to see. If you enter into that kingdom of God, you have to be higher than John the Baptist in faith. It's not saying that John the Baptist demoted. It's saying this is the level of John the Baptist. But the kingdom of God we are talking about, everyone that's going to get in there must be higher than that. Must be higher than that. And that shows the standard. And that makes everybody to pursue that higher standard. Verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist, until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violence take it by force. Now, what does that mean, violence? I mean, it takes, it takes seriousness. I'm sorry, that's what it means. Seriousness. You better, you better get serious with this kingdom of God as we are talking about. It's not like, well, if I, it's okay if I don't get it, it's all right. Well, you are, you are, not, you are not serious. You've got to get serious. That's why people go out and fast and pray because they want, they want more power from God. It's suffer violence. Says, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if he will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. Now, this is where Matthew put that story that Elias was to come. That Jesus Christ attested that John the Baptist was the Elias that was promised, promised to come in the book of Malachi. Now, does that mean that is all Elias is coming? In the other place where the accursed gospel of John, where the Lord Jesus Christ took Peter, James, and John to the mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration. And then they said they saw Moses and Elias on the mountain talking to Jesus. Okay. Now, when they were coming down, they were asking the Lord Jesus Christ, well, how come that the, the scribes that are reading the laws to them say Elias must come first? Because the scribes are the ones reading the laws and the prophets to them. And they were saying Elias will come first before himself. But then on the mountain, they saw Elias still in the cloud of heaven. And Jesus, yeah. Moses and Elias were all gone. So they were in the cloud talking to Jesus. And he said, well, I thought the rabbi said, Elias, you come first, but you are here. And what Jesus Christ answered him? Elias surely will come first. He doesn't say he has talked, he said, he surely will come first. Which means there's another Elias that will come first before Christ comes. Second time. That's why that first sentence me. But then, but I said to you, Elias has come already. He said, another Elias has come already, which means, when God said, I will send to you Elias, he, the Lord is talking about the anointing of Elias. Anointing, level of anointing. So John the Baptist was not Elias that was translated up to heaven, but he came with the same measure of anointing of Elias. That was able to stand before a king and 
condemned the king. The king killed him, of course. Yeah? Yeah. But he was bold enough to stand before the king and condemn the king, just like Elijah the prophet was bold enough before King Heab to condemn Heab. So that was the level of anointing of Elias. So Christ said, Elias has, we surely come back in the, before the second coming of Christ. But he said, Elias already come already. Another Elias, another Elias, but the same level of anointing. That was John the Baptist. And they said they understood him to say he was referring to John the Baptist as Elias that has come already. And they have done the same thing that they would do to the Messiah. They killed Elias also. So the same way, when, Apple, when Matthew now said, Christ said, this is a liar that is to come. Matthew was just referring to what they have already believed. That Christ said, John the Baptist was the liar that was, was to come before him. But so he said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Anybody that wants to accept that, it is now left to them. Verse 16. But whereunto shall I like in this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, ye have not lamented. For John came, that John the Baptist came, neither eating nor drinking. And they say, He has a devil because he's not eating or drinking with them. Verse 9 says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, Oh, a man glutonous, a wine beeper, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of our sharing. That is, the wisdom of God is saying, this is my share, no matter what way is showing, it's still my share. This is my share, no matter what way is showing, it's still my share. So wisdom is justified. That is, wisdom, just, wisdom, the wisdom of God justifies all his sharing. That's what he said. Christ was given two different lifestyles. As an example, John the Baptist came, like a prophet from a wilderness where he doesn't talk to anybody much. He didn't eat with them. He was eating locusts and dressing like a, somebody from the jungle. And they look at him from a distance. He was fasting and praying. And they say, he's strange. He's strange. He's strange. He looked like he has a devil. They call him he has a devil because he was looking strange. He was dressed strange. And he was eating strange food. Locusts and wild on him. They say he's, he's, he's male. And they say that must be, he must have a devil. Now the son of man came and was eating with them, with the scribe, with everybody, invite him to, to their house to eat and eat with them. Publicans invite him to eat with them. They say, What? This man is drinking alcohol, he's wine beeper, he's friends of publicans and sinners. And they rejected him for that. And Christ said, But wisdom is justified of our children. Wisdom is just wisdom is justified in children. This is my children, and the Lord is still leading them. It's a dispensation for this, and a dispensation for that. Verse 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon are the day of judgment down for you. Now, let's talk about that. The Lord was saying, the Tyre and Sidon were cities that are still living there. But Christ said, the miracle he has done in this Bethsaida and Chorazin, if that had been done in Tyre and Sidon, the whole city would have repented and cried unto God for, to, be, to follow the Messiah. But maybe this Capernaum and this, uh, and this uh, Bethsaida and Chorazin, they never repent. But what does... A city repent, really. What, how can a city repent? Because some people may believe, but it's just few people. 
why the rest of the crowd just go on their way. That's why they don't repent. If they just go on their way doing their own thing, doing their shop, uh, their bear parlors and alcohol parlors and never really consider what signs and wonders have been done in their midst, they have not repented. So when they city repent, because there have been stories in the earlier generation where ministers come to a city in the, from different parts of the world, they come to American cities and preach the gospel and people are saved. And then they say, we will bear parlors shut down. All those uh, places where there are godly people are always going to shut down because people all flock to the church. That is called repentance of a city. Because the ungodly people suddenly surrender to Christ. And those people that are making money from all those ungodliness see that they couldn't make money anymore, they shut down their business. That is a city that's repented. Whereas if everything goes on like there were only some few men or women that just gather and follow this truth, then the city has not repented, only few people are saved from them. And that's what the Lord is pointing to. He says, Chorazin and Bethsaida, the signs and wonders that are done here, the whole city is just kept on going the way they were. Only few straggler people just believe. That's not good enough for the city. That's why he's saying, he said, oh, if it had been done in time and Sidon, the whole city would have repented, comparing cities with cities. But he said then, there will be a day of judgment. God means God can judge cities. God can judge nations. I was pointing out something that, look at a place like Nigeria where somebody that was dead for three days in the, in the mortuary. The pastor. The story was in the, on, on, on YouTube. And this man was taken to a crusade ground where Ryan Hambonke was conducting crusade. And they said the man was raised from the dead after three days in mortuary. He was raised from the dead. That was a great miracle in a, big, in a country like Nigeria. And yet, the country still have all their rulers still doing their embezzlement, still doing their corruption, still doing their Islam, trying to Islamize the nation. When they should have surrendered and said, this is God. Jesus Christ is God indeed if they want to repent. And the uh, Islam called somebody from the grave back after three days in the mortuary. They are not repenting. So there's a, just an indictment against nations. God will judge nations. That's an indictment against cities. God will judge cities. That's what Christ was saying when he talked about Korasin and Bethsaida. That if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, that are, cities of, that are not cities of, of, uh, of Israel, see, they would have repented long ago in sacrosanct and ashes. The best shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for those cities that he mentioned. And verse 23, he said, Capernaum. And now Capernaum. Capernaum was the city where Christ actually based. After he left my Nazareth, he came and stayed in Capernaum. And that was where the first miracle broke up when he cast the devil out of a, a lunatic person, uh, of a person that was demon-possessed in the synagogue. And they said that first day, the whole crowd went to the house of Peter, Simon Peter, and went to, and the Lord was healing them. Miracles are happening. But Christ said, that's like exalting Capernaum to heaven because the Son of God from heaven is living in this city with you. He said, and thou Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, this shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it will have remained until this day. Now, God is comparing Capernaum with Sodom. That Sodom that was destroyed in the days of Abraham. If mighty works like this that have been done in Capernaum was done in Sodom, he said that Sodom will have remained until this day. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. So, which means Capernaum was judged. You see, when God said he was judging a city, all those things that happened to Israel in those days is judgment. 
Because after Christ resurrected and went up and the gospel going to the Gentiles, the city of Jerusalem was not the only place that was destroyed by the Roman Empire. Many cities of Israel were wiped out, destroyed, that made the Roman Empire scatter the Jews worldwide. So we can assume that Capernaum was part of the judgment that was brought down upon Capernaum was part of that judgment because we believe Capernaum was flattened then until later, maybe, maybe right now, after over a thousand years that the Jews were going back to their land. You see, that was part of the judgment God was saying, it shall be more terrible for the land of Sodom in the day of Jehovah, than for Capernaum. Now you can go back to Israel after 1,900 or something years, that maybe Capernaum is, is now, there's another city called Capernaum there in the Palestine land. But see, that is what God was talking about, that judge, God will judge cities, God will judge nations that see signs and wonders and they did not repent. To throw away false religion and come after Christ. They didn't do that. They, they continued with their false religion, like the Islamites in, uh, in Nigeria. Verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Yes, exactly. When you look at it, you see the Lord Jesus Christ came and started calling fishermen. People that were in the occupation that was not really, that were despised. Fishermen making, just trying to make ends meet by going to the lake and fishing with their boats. It's the, one of the lowest of, the, of, our, of our occupation. And those are the ones that Lord Jesus called to come and follow him. So are babes, that's why I call them that. You have revealed it to babes. There are wise and prudent men like the people that are following Herod, the chief priests and all those people that claim to be Pharisees that claim to be mighty, but God didn't choose them to come and know this truth. They were questioning the Messiah, but he went and called the fishermen, babes. And verse 26 said, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Even so, Father, so it seemed good in thy sight. Then he went further to talk more and said, All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Now, everybody thought they know everything about God the Father. He said, No man knows the Father but the Son. And no man knows who the Son is except the Father. No man knows the, no the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that's revealing who the Father is. And then, how has he revealed to us? He said, I am my Father and the same person. I am a father of one. That's why he, what it means. In the Gospel of John chapter 8, he was in, the, in that debate with the Jews. He said, I am a father of the same person. They wanted to stone him. He said, you call yourself God? They said, when, when they translated that to English to us, he said, I am a father of one. When you lived in that English mindset, you said, why are they angry at that? If I say, I'm, me and my daddy are one, we will assume it means we are agreed. But he's not talking about agree. He said, I am the same person. I and my father are the same person. That's why they throw up stones. They want to stone him. And he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. Didn't he say that in the Gospel of John, chapter, four, chapter 14? If you have seen me, you have seen the father. It's the father in him. The spirit in him is the father. The body is the son. See, that is why he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. He said, but he revealed it to us by revelation. He said, it's not by letters. Where if you are reading just English, you miss it. Is by revelation of the Holy Ghost to make us to understand what he meant. That's what he meant by, and you only those whom he revealed to will know that 
the Father and the Son are the same person. Verse 28. Now the Lord is declaring this to everybody. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my body is light. That was a declaration by the Lord Jesus Christ calling everybody to himself. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. What is your heavy laden? Sickness is a, it's a form of heavy laden. Your poverty is a form of heavy laden. And all those troubles you may have with the court and so on, they are heavy laden. Christ can solve those problems for you in a moment. But you have to come to him. See, I will give you rest. The first rest you need is a peace of mind. Where you have no money to feed yourself. But if you have peace of mind, God will work it out. Because without peace of mind, you can run crazy. You know? See, you, want, you say, come unto me, all you that labor, and I, have it, I will give you rest. Then he said, take my yoke upon you. That is, the gospel is the yoke. The lifestyle of Christ is like a yoke. But it's easier than the one you are going to face in the world. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. It's going to teach you how to live your life that will be peaceful. And he said, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Christ said he is meek. He meek meekness is for the leaders. He leads you with meekness. He's leading us with meekness. Sometimes we say, no, we don't want this thing, but he's still going to lead us with meekness. That he's guiding the sheep away from trouble. When the sheep is trying to run astray, try to bring him back. That's meekness. So I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. That's what we need. We need the rest for our soul. Because without that rest in the soul, the mind will run crazy and almost run mad in all the situations in the world. But if you have the peace of mind, no matter what's going on in the world, you just rest. You say, well, God is in control. And that is what he wants to have. Put everything in God's hand because he sees what you can say. He carried the whole world on his shoulder and we don't need to carry it. Amen. He said, for my yoke is easy and my body is light. I pray that the Lord will give you the grace to be able to cast your bodies upon Jesus if you are a believer. And if you are not a believer, come to Jesus so that you can cast your body upon him and he will take care of the rest. He will take care of you. You set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. They seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things you are pursuing will be added, added, not taken away, added unto you. But you have to take the gospel as the yoke. The lifestyle of Christ, which is the gentleness, the meekness, the kindness, the love, that is like a yoke. It's not a yoke, it's easy because it will be inside you living that life. See, my body is light. It's not a body that is going to bend your back and destroy you. It's a body that's easy to carry. What's the body? The body that I am a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm following Christ, I'm going to pray and angels answer me. Well, you say, well, you are not having fun by not going to this. No, those are not fun. Those are evil and godliness. Christ loves us and he has given us. He says, my body is light. My yoke is easy. And the final end of it is eternal life with him in the glory land. And we shall live with him forever and ever. What a bargain. God bless you. We we'll continue this in the next chapter. Amen.